Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Trainer. How are you? Hope things are going well for you. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to me. It's a fun episode today. I'm glad you're listening. Today on the show, Peter Lovins is my guest. Now, Peter has the very fancy title of Director of Legal Affairs for the Columbus Blue Jackets of the National Hockey League. So, when I started talking to Peter, I really didn't know what to expect. He's a fancy lawyer. I am uh, not. So I didn't know how it was going to go. And as you'll hear, I sort of going in didn't really even know what Peter did. What what does a lawyer for a professional sports team do? I, I didn't know. Uh, now I do. And you will too at the end of this. It's really interesting. But, you know, I was really impressed with Peter's life. It, it, it's fascinating in ways that I had no idea. We start talking about uh, growing up in Alaska, what that was like, uh, growing up gay in Alaska, especially the professional journey that, that took him really all around the country, how he landed at uh, graduate school at a place in Columbus, Ohio. I will let him tell you where he went. That's an ongoing rift between Pete and I, but we're fine. Uh, and how he got to work for the Columbus Blue Jackets and, and all the intricacies that go into that. Uh, at the end of the podcast, you'll sort of you'll hear us talk about the uh, the Blue Jackets themselves. I mentioned a cannon that goes off. The Blue Jackets have this cannon that they shoot every time they score a goal at Nationwide Arena where they play. Uh, I don't like it. Pete makes a case for it. We also get into uh, a controversial Blue Jackets mascot who is now my favorite thing in the world. I, I didn't know he existed before going into this. We end the podcast talking about a mascot for the Jackets who looked, uh, I don't know, like something fallical, I suppose. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation. I, I certainly did. I feel like I learned a lot talking to Pete, not just about what he does, not just about being, being a lawyer, but, but really about life in general. Um, I think he has a lot of wisdom and, and a lot of good to tell. So thank you very much for listening. Thanks to Pete for the time. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Here's my one-on-one chat with Director of Legal Affairs for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Pete Lovins. So this is really cool. I, I'm excited to talk to you uh, maybe just selfishly because I, I don't really know much about what you do. Like when I have guests on who are athletes or journalists or whoever, I sort of obviously have a vague idea of who they are. I, I kind of yep. know them, whatever. But with you, you know, I've connected with you sort of via social media channels. I, I don't know that much about what you do. So I'm excited to sort of find out the ins and the outs of your sort of daily life and, and how you sure. got to where you are. So um, I always like to sort of start at the beginning. Can you tell me and, and tell everybody listening sort of uh, where you grew up and, and what kind of kid you were? Oh, so I grew up in Fairbanks, Alaska. No so, way. Yeah, so, so – I- I mean, that alone makes me pretty unique, I think. Um, I think I have – you're certainly the first person on the podcast from Alaska. I don't think I know anybody from Alaska. I mean, it's a small state. Uh, my upbringing, though, was – I mean, how I was. So I grew up in a big family. I have seven siblings. Wow. Um, very stereotypically Mormon. Oh, okay. Uh, so we, we could talk about that for an hour probably. Oh, I would love to, but <laughs> – um, I grew up. I mean, is there a big like, is there a big Mormon population in Alaska? 
Um, it's relatively big relative to the population size. So it's not sure. quite Utah, but it's not not populated. I mean, we had a pretty large populated church, and there were several different churches, and even in just the small town of Fairbanks. So um, it was it was pretty big. Um, but I grew up. Um, I grew up a sports fan. I grew up around sports. Um, my you know watching football growing up. Um, I played pretty much every sport I could try to play at any given time. What's uh, the youth sports scene in Alaska like? So uh, it, it's much like other places. Sorry, like I'm like I, talking I up, about it like you're from the moon. <laughs> well, to many people, it is like the moon. You know, the, the the all the stereotypes of being able to see Russia from Alaska and all that <laughs> stuff. So, you know, ice road truckers and all the shows sure, now. Sure. People have varied perspectives on Alaska, but I mean, most sports are the same, right? I yeah. played soccer. Soccer and basketball were my two main sports. What's different about it is our soccer season was pretty short in the outdoor, and then we'd play in gyms in the indoor. So we oh, had an okay. outdoor season, and we had an indoor season. The high school, um, I played for my high school team, and our season started before school started technically, and it wrapped up pretty quick into the school year. Right. Um, had to play in snow a few times when the snow came early, so that was different. Wow, that's fun. Um, we did have other sports that you don't have, like cross-country skiing was a sport for my high school. Oh, wow. The other different thing, and, and I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but um, like my elementary school has an ice rink in it. Oh, no way. So like they have just like an outdoor rink, and they spray water on it in the winter, and so at recess you could bring a pair of skates <gasps> That and, sounds incredibly dangerous. Yeah, you know, it's it was that or tackle football or sledding down the little hills or whatever, yeah, that's going true. down going down the metal slides. It's all pretty dangerous at recess. That's a, I, I guess I'm just picturing like elementary school kids with these skates on. If 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 something gets out of hand, it could be a bad scene. But I'm glad it, that wasn't the case for you. Yeah, no, and actually, um, I didn't play hockey growing up, and I now work in hockey. But it would have been convenient had I. Um, but it was pretty prominent up there. There's no pro teams up there. So you like the high school teams, you like the college teams and the, the kind of the peak sports we had there was like, you know, minor league baseball and um, college hockey, college basketball. Yeah, I was going to kind of ask that. I mean, growing up as a sports fan in a state where there aren't any pro teams, like who who do people cheer for? Who did you cheer for? Oh, yeah. That, so it's it's a total um Everything's up for grabs. I was going to so, say, that sort of seems like a free-for-all. I mean, it's not like you're in you know, the Northeast or something and everybody cheers for the Boston teams or, or whatever. You're just like up there all alone. Oh, yeah. And so, I mean, I had some friends, um, strictly speaking NFL, that were Vikings fans or Lions fans. Oh, no. Some, well, as somebody, some, as somebody from Detroit, I'm uh, oh. very sorry for all of your Lions fans. Friends. Yeah, but this is the the Barry Sanders years. Not that much well, success came of that, but well, it was still exciting to watch. More. Yeah, they were exciting to watch at least. Yeah, um, there were Seahawks fans. We weren't technically in the Seattle TV market though, so it's not like we got all Seattle games. Yeah, do you get any local any local sports, or are you just watching national stuff? It was more just national. They'd kind of just pair us with whatever was the biggest game of the week. Um, right. I grew up, so our family, we were 49ers fans. The story of that linking sure. to 
Mormonism and Brigham Young University, but we basically followed Steve Young from BYU to Tampa Bay, then to the 49ers, and that's where he's kind of you know, stuck around and followed Joe Montana and then won a Super Bowl. So the 49ers. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Fan, fandom stuck. Yep. Wow. So, yeah. So what r- role did religion play as, as you were growing up? And we, we don't have to spend the whole time talking about that, but uh-huh. I, I am interested in, in, in all of that. Yeah, I mean, it was significant um, growing up Mormon, which is pretty on the conservative side of religion. Um, some of the there's kind of two stories that stick with me from my upbringing. Um, aside from being very goody goody, I mean, I was the, the good Mormon kid, um, mm-hmm. you know, Boy Scouts and became an Eagle Scout, all that. But two things that stuck with me as relates to kind of what has led me to where I am Um so when I was 14, it's around 13 or 14, it's 97, 98, and Hawaii is considering, I think there was a, a, a vo- they were voting on same-sex marriage, I believe, Okay. or something around that time. There was some initiative, I forget the exact details of it, but the Mormon church, as they did with Prop 8 in California, they rally support from their churches across the country. And I didn't, you know, at this time I'm 13 and 14, just figuring out who I am, but starting to connect the dots, but very confident I can't talk to anyone about it. Right. And and then going to church, you know, different various presentations about, you know, us small little ward up in Alaska raising money and supporting and fighting against these same-sex marriage initiatives. Wow. And I just I just remember this kind of sense of being paralyzed in that moment. Like if I paid too much attention, it was going to give me away. If I didn't pay enough attention, it was going to give me away. If I right. put if I put my head down, they're going to know. If I put my head up and you know, it, it was just this this almost surreal moment where just completely scared, truthfully, that anything I did, if I sneezed, if I coughed, it would like somehow everyone would look at me and they'd see right through me. Um, so that stood out from my upbringing. The other big piece is this, and it's all worked out for me, but every single person in my family went to BYU. Um, mm-hmm. My parents, and for me, it was my five older siblings. So I'm getting close to graduating high school, and I know BYU is not the path for me. But Why? I also, well, just as as in the closet, right? Yeah, in sure. the closet, and I know it's not great for gay people in Utah were, and you Provo. Were, you weren't out at this point, were you? No, no. So I was in the closet all through my upbringing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's weird. It's like because I have a big family too. You know, the parents aren't I don't know they have too much going on to keep track of right but the the thought of where I was going to college I never even considered going anywhere and I didn't want to apply anywhere because I knew then I'd have to answer why I wasn't going to BYU like everybody else right and so and I knew I was fortunate I had good grades and Alaska has a system where if you're in the top 10% of your class you can basically get a full ride at the Alaska University system. Mm-hmm. So instead of applying to other places, I, I didn't even think about where I would have applied, but I knew it wasn't going to be BYU. It, I knew it wasn't going to be BYU. I knew I had this Alaska 
kind of scholarship waiting for me. So I just didn't apply anywhere. And, and it, it has shaped kind of my path that the first year of my undergrad studies I did at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Yeah. So, so you go there what, and what are you majoring in your, do you have a major freshman year? Um, it was just general business administration studies. So it kind of just, you know, taking core classes, but then a couple business classes. Yeah. So I know that that's not where you ultimately ended up. What, what happened after freshman year? Um, the, the quick story, I guess. So I've now been in Alaska in the closet. Well, also, my entire to, to, to ask a better question, what, what was the reaction from your family about not going to BYU? Were they, were they suspicious at all of that? Or were they just, were they kind of okay with it? Cause you just wanted to do the Alaska thing. Um, you know, I don't know if they were suspicious or thought anything of it. Um, you know, I, I think my family partially because it is such a big family a lot of us kind of keep to ourselves uh-huh. uh, we're not big we're not big sharers or inquisitive of each other um i don't even know if anyone thought of it or like, you know oh, yeah, I, I guess pete's not going to byu huh all right well. yeah i mean it kind of was like that and i was kind of a you know when you're 16 17 and you butt heads with your parents and i was always um a little independent anyway. Um, I started working jobs when I was like 12 years old. So I already was Doing making what? money. On, so I started my first job ever actually was a soccer referee. And at 12? Yeah, because you could ref like the six year old kids. Okay. And I mean, I was making money pretty young. <laughs> You're right? a businessman at 12. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you could ref soccer in the summer. Um, make fair amount of money. And when you're 12 years old, I mean, you ref three games and get 60 bucks or something or 50 bucks. Like that's, that's oh, no joke. What so a night. yeah. So, I mean, I'd been working pretty much since I was 12 till I was 18. So I was already a bit independent. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it didn't really come up that I wasn't going to BYU. I don't know if there were suspicions. I didn't exactly date extensively in high school or truthfully at all. Um, yeah. so it never, it never really came up, but in my family, that's not the type of thing we even really talk about cause we're not close in that way. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you're going to college in Alaska, your freshman year ends and, and then what happens? I mean, that's where I kind of had the, I need to strike out on my own, um, and do something bold. And, and it, by now, um, you know, I'm, figuring out my sexuality and that type of thing. And I just knew Alaska wasn't the place to really do that. Um, the town, you know, Fairbanks, it's 70,000 people roughly, but it's the type of place where every single place you ever go, you will run into someone, you know, yeah, for sure. And, and when you're still in the closet, still sorting things out, don't want things to get back to your family. It wasn't really the place to, kind of find myself. Does Fairbanks have like a gay bar? Uh, no, maybe now. I sort of um, imagine it. I, in my head, uh, Fairbanks has one gay bar and it's called like the Igloo or something. And yeah. It, <laughs> and it's like kind of cool, but like a little dangerous. <laughs> that That's probably accurate. Um, I think I went to a bar once and it wasn't even, um, and this is before I was 21 and I'm, I'm a goody goody and I didn't go in the bar, but <laughs> okay, I went you. We and like have criminals on this show. No, trust me. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so there, there's statute of limitations. I'd be fine. But <laughs> honestly, I just went and like, um, a friend took me and we just kind of hung out in the parking lot outside of the gay bar. Ooh, uh, that's but so that intriguing alone, though. I like that. 
Yeah, but and I remember it wasn't a dedicated gay bar. It was a bar that had a gay night like once a month or something, and that was right. the extent of the the gay scene in in Fairbanks, Alaska at that time. I don't know if it's better or worse now. Well, let's hope so for the younger yeah. youth in Fairbanks. Reach out if you're yeah. up there. Yeah, I, I know a few people up there now, and there's, you know, there's a group of people like fighting for an equality ordinance and different things like that. So, okay. uh, you know. I think, what's weird about what's weird about Alaska actually is there's there's kind of while it's generally a Republican leaning state, it's also very much a live and let live like right. It's 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 a weird it's a weird thing because truthfully in Alaska survival is legitimately important. Right. And and I just remember like growing up if you someone was pulled over on the side of the road like you stopped 100% because you don't like they could die if you don't type of thing yeah where you now in Columbus Ohio or when I lived in LA it's like no one's stopping for the car that's pulled over on the side of the road <laughs> no people are mad that there's a car yeah. there but in Fairbanks it it's so much more like as long as you're not impeding my survival or whatever like i think they're more supportive of lgbtq rights up there in alaska than most conservative states i would say yeah it's just kind of this like hey you do you i don't need yeah. to know about it but you know yep. whatever god bless yeah i mean you, it, whatever yeah same with marijuana and things like that they're just like look we just we really don't care we have other things to worry about we're trying Correct. not to freeze to death precisely actually yeah um okay so so where do you make the decision to go after freshman year so and i had you know i'm exploring who i am a lot of it's online and um started to you know chat with a few people that lived in southern california and i was kind of stuck between either going to seattle or los angeles and just kind of picked Los Angeles because I knew a few people there and, and someone who I ended up dating for um, a little while was there. So that was the big move. And um, the, uh, the story of that, I think, is one of the wildest adventures of my life. But Please do tell. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a 95 Geo Tracker convertible soft top. And I pretty much fit my entire life's belongings into that, or as much as I could. Um, but me, I'm 19 years old. It's early May, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I'll just sleep in my car. So, oh, so no. it's a, so it's a drive. I mean, the the drive took me four days, and that was four days of pretty much nonstop driving. Um, oh, I would God. drive until I was tired, and then I'd just sleep. And it didn't matter what time of day. I'd sleep. I'd eat. I'd keep driving. Um, the it first kind of cool. It's like you know, you're 19, you're driving to LA, you're gonna find yourself. Was it like was it romantic or was it just terrible? Uh, you know, it was pretty. It was, I guess, romantic. I guess in, I should uh, see where the story ends because it it doesn't sound like it's gonna end well for you. No, it all worked out. There was just some adventures along okay, the way. So well, I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. That's your job. Um, so the first <laughs> yeah, the first night. The first night, and I, I didn't think about this much, but I drove – it was early May, and I didn't factor in how cold it would be. Um, so the first night, I just stopped at like the middle of nowhere Canada, and literally it was the intersection of two highways, but by highways, I mean like barely paved roads. Sure. 
in the middle of nowhere. There's a gas station at this intersection, and that's the only thing there. And I was like, oh, this is as good a place as any, and I can get gas in the morning. So I go to sleep, and I wake up at like 2 a.m. just completely shivering. And it was like 10 degrees, and I didn't even think about how cold it would be that first night. Oh, man. So I think I just got up. Um, I wonder if I got gas. I don't know. Either way, I just got back on the road. Why didn't you use your soccer refereeing money for a hotel? <laughs> There's no hotels. There was no hotel to stay at. No. Plus, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a cheap, you know, savvy business kid at this point, but I'm also very cheap and frugal. Sure. Okay, I, I can sleep, I can sleep in my car, right? So sure. other parts other parts of this adventure. So I'm driving through the mountains, hills of Canada, um, and you know when you're driving down a highway and it says next rest stop 120 miles. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean anything in what we call the lower 48 because <laughs> there's also 17 exits every 20 miles, right? Right. In Alaska, when they say next rest stop 120 miles, that's literally your last chance to get off of this road at all. Like there's no turnoffs. There's nothing else for 120 miles. Right. So I'm driving down the road and it's middle of May and roads are generally in bad shape in spring and early summer. And so I hit this pothole and my tire explodes. Oh, no. And I'm like high up in the mountains and there's no shoulder and just happened to be like half a mile from the next rest stop. Oh, wow. Okay. Ah, so that all worked out, but you know, I had to change my tire and it's cold. And it, could, it, could, it could have ended all. much worse. It could have ended so much worse, right? Oh, certainly could have. Yeah. Um, so I make it through Canada, get to, I think I forget where I spent the second night. I think it was still in Canada. Your car. Canada. What, what about my car? You, you spent the night in your car. Yeah. That's what I meant the first night when I was shivering. It's because I was yeah, in the no, car. I know, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, I'm just making fun of you. You said you don't remember where you spent the night. I, I do. Oh, yeah. You were in your car. Oh, yeah. I, I don't mean where in the Canadian, like, Northwest Territory or wherever yeah. territory I was in. I know, I know it was definitely two days in Canada because then the third day I made it to Portland. And because my sister lives an hour outside Portland. So that that's the first night that I slept in a v, in a bed. Oh. Uh, must when I walked nice. in, when I walked in, my niece said to her mom, "Why does he smell so bad?" <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't think of it, but I guess if you're sitting in a car for two and a three days straight, you're you're gonna smell pretty bad. Yeah, that's probably accurate. Yeah. So then the last dry day drive to L.A. and this is where I probably should have died. So my windshield wipers, and it's like pouring rain. My windshield wipers stopped working or no they worked but on the driver's side they went past my windshield and then got stuck <laughs> and i couldn't lose time so naturally of course while not while it's pouring down rain i just rolled the window down enough to stick my arm out oh. and hold it on my windshield so that the windshield wiper would hit my fingers and then bounce back down while driving down I-5 from Portland to L.A. in a single day. What an absolute maniac. You're 19. What Living you carefree. Do? Oh, yeah. Who needs windshield wipers, bro? Yeah, exactly. Cool, cool. Okay, so you're about to die on the 5, which I've yeah. also almost done many times, but not yeah. because of my windshield wipers, just because yeah. I... It's know, crazy. Yeah. People are crazy. 
Yeah. Wow. So how wait? How long are you doing that? I mean, long time. <laughs> I mean, it's a fourteen-hour drive from Portland to LA. I don't. Oh it wasn't God. like fourteen hours straight, Weren't but you, like, like, were you, was there a reason you could you, like? Couldn't you stop? Was there a reason you needed to get to LA? Was something waiting for you? Can you just like pulled over and waited for it to stop raining? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Uh, well, I know, mean, I, like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what are you gonna do? I just figured I was gonna try and just drive to LA, and pulling over just to wait out a storm wasn't really in my. It wasn't part of your plan. journey. No. Okay, I can respect that. Um, yeah. All right, so you eventually make it to LA in one piece yeah. somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the plan? I mean, you know some people here, but like moving yeah. to LA, sort of. On a whim is it, obviously so many people do it, but it's uh, it yeah. takes a lot of effort and like you know you have to you got to be ready to tough it out because the city that I'm currently sitting in of Los Angeles uh, will yeah. eat people alive if they're not ready for it. Yeah, I mean I had, I had some money saved up and and the the friend that I had been chatting with that we started dating. I mean I lived there, so that helped on oh. the monetary front. Ooh la la. Uh, yeah, juicy. Um, so I was able to save money. I mean, I got a job pretty quick. I mean, it wasn't a, it was just a retail job. I'm 19 at this point. Where? Uh, my first job was at Big Five Sporting Goods. Yes. Um, I love I the Big Five. There was the one. So I was living in uh, Santa Monica or Culver City when I first well, moved there for I, six months. I am in Culver City right now. I live in Culver oh, City. Yeah. So the part where Washington and Washington like splits up and there's yes. that little like – so I, I was right in that little area. Oh, no. By, I, by the Sony, by the Sony yeah, Entertainment. I, you li- we literally lived in the same neighborhood. And also, when was the last time you were here? Uh, I was there um, not too long ago. When did my husband and I go out there? We did a cruise out of Long Beach. I think that was the last time I was out there. Well, it's – you wouldn't wreck it. I mean if you haven't been here in the past like – year two years you yeah the this entire place is you wouldn't recognize any of it it's insane there's so much construction going on like oh, the part where you were just saying like overall washington splits is they're put putting up just like insane buildings it's wild it's like huh. it's insane over here right now but yeah that i literally i live probably a you know five minute walk from where you Jeez, live that's wild that is wild um yeah. okay so so you're in la and uh yep. and then yeah so you have this job at big five and yep. and what happens next so i enroll at santa monica college um i knew i wasn't gonna go right into a state university just because i wanted to become a resident and just kind of settle in a little bit um, so I was in Culver City for six months, but then me and the the gentleman um, moved to Long Beach, okay. which is where I was the next basically five years. But and I really I fell in love with Long Beach, and I'm not gonna lie, like I not a huge fan of L.A. or Orange County, but Long okay, Beach kind of in the drag me. Yeah, but then Long Beach kind of right in the middle of them, which has its own identity. Yeah. I really like it. I get that. I, I know people who are from Long Beach, people who actually still like it. Well, not still, but but up until recently lived in Long Beach and would and would commute up to L.A. 
Uh, yep. People really like Long Beach a lot. It, it definitely oh, does yeah. have a vibe of like, it's not LA, it's not Orange County, it's in the middle, it's sort of beachy, but it's yeah. kind of modern and kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, Long Beach, I don't I don't know that much about Long Beach, but um, from what I know, it's, it's a cool spot. Yeah, I mean, I was a, a big fan, and that, that's true truthfully that was my southern california experience was long beach um, you go on the queen mary all the time no okay. never not once <laughs> okay. feels like a missed opportunity there's just a big boat yeah, in your backyard i know probably but i don't know um it just wasn't not I a guess. fan of boats it's fine I, I guess yeah uh okay so so you're in long beach <laughs> Yeah, so I ended up after two years at Santa Monica College, um, I transferred to Long Beach State, which is where I ended up getting my undergraduate degree from. Um, That's very cool. I was a big fan of the beach. Um, throughout that time, I started working at uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs of Long Beach, um, which was a good job. I really enjoyed it. That was kind of my first foray into kind of the nonprofit sector. Um, it was also very eye-opening, I guess, for me. Even living in LA or Long Beach, you kind of it was obviously wildly different than Alaska. But it, at the boys and girls clubs, it was a little more, um, I don't know, closer to some of the urban communities um, sure. and and some of just the the issues that kids face in Southern California. And I kind of that was one of a just a moment that kind of helped me reflect on growing up in Alaska, right? Alaska, aside from the fear of being cold, uh, was a great like playground growing up. Truthfully, like we had, we had such a carefree, like youth, just kind of the whole city was our playground truthfully. And then yeah. I come to Long Beach and, you know, there was a, a girl at one of the Long Beach boys and girls clubs that like got hit by a stray bullet. And, mm -hmm don't go on these streets after dark. And I was like, oh, this is way different than my kind of super privileged Alaska upbringing, truthfully. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that perspective was hugely important. Yep. So so you're in so you're in Long Beach, and you're, are you still with this guy? Um, we dated for a little while when I moved to Long Beach, but then we split up and then kind of moved in with some other friends and – Kind of had a three-bedroom apartment for most of my years there. Nice. So, are are you using your time in Long Beach and in and in California just in general to sort of explore your sexuality more? I, I assume uh, it was a lot <laughs> easier out here than it was in Alaska. That's a exploring my sexuality is a completely fair way to put that. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I am trying to be kind <laughs> to you. Hundred percent. Yes. I mean, it it's, was you know you're exploring. It's, exploring. 19, 20, 21 in Southern California where there's a ton of people. There's no judgment. I don't have religion dream. and all this stuff hanging over. And yeah, it was kind of a great years to live in Southern California from 19 to 25. Uh, that's for sure. I can imagine. So then, so what kind of work are you, are you sort of doing as your college, as your undergrad sort of winds down and, and looking towards the future? Because I know where you went to grad school and I'll make you say it, not yeah. me. Um Huh. Uh, uh, you know, looking at your future, what, what are your goals and why did you make the decision to go to grad school where you went? Yeah. So the biggest piece of that was the last year of my undergraduate studies. I was super fortunate and I still don't know how this happened, but I had an internship with Lee Steinberg, the sports agent. Oh, interesting. Okay. So Lee Steinberg, who represented, I mean, represents now Patrick Mahomes, but heard of him at, 
Yeah, but Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Warren Moon. Steve kind Young? Of, oh, you must have been in heaven. I know. It was full circle. And actually got to go to the Lee Steinberg host a Super Bowl party every year. And I got to go one year and meet his parents and Steve Young's parents. Um, and just Steve different things like make it. He was there, but he's, you know, he's just never really crossed paths. And I was super nervous, truthfully. Oh, and I probably, I wasn't about to approach him and be like, hey, my family likes you. No, but you know what? I bet he would have really liked that story. Because I'm oh, sure of course. he gets of approached course. by so many idiots who are just like, hey, Steve, love you. Like, whatever. Yeah. If yeah. you had been like, hey, can I tell you I'm story from Alaska. Yeah. yeah. I'm from Alaska. And my family are diehard 49ers fans. And here's why. I bet he'd be like, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. It's probably true. I just, you know, I'm a, I'm not that type of person. But no, I, I respect either that. way. You're also at so, your, like, boss's thing. Yeah, I get correct. It. Correct. Um, and, and we were also, I mean, A, I'm an unpaid intern. And they already had told us, like, this isn't an event where – athletes are giving autographs and things like that they want to just be there and have fun themselves so so what's the this is a sidetrack but i'm just curious so at a super bowl party like that what's the vibe i mean are we watching the game is there snacks is is it like catered like where are you yeah so this is actually so lee's party isn't for the game it's the day before so okay i guess that makes sense i was yeah i was struggling picturing a super bowl viewing part i don't know i shouldn't have assumed that that's what it was when you said that no it's one of those i mean when you see the super bowl now there's parties for the whole week before it basically and and his is one of those and um you know they it's the day that they do the hall of fame induction announcement and i think one of his clients was being considered and you know, it's just a big part. It's almost more like a gala, truthfully, if but sports vibe. And so less. What, are you, what are you doing for him? So the internship experience, truthfully, um, t- for people that don't know Lee's career much. So he's had a roller coaster, to be fair. Um, at his peak, he represented over half of the starting NFL quarterbacks on any given Sunday half? weekend. Yes. So he would have like 16 of the starting quarterbacks. Wow. Uh, he, you know, worked with Cameron Cameron Crowe leading up to the movie Jerry Maguire. He's in the movie. Um, portions of it based loosely on him and I believe Drew Rosenhaus. So he's at the top of the game. Wow, like if wow. you, you know, there's, um, you know, Sports Illustrated top 50 most powerful people in the NFL. And like for a number of years, he was like number two or number three in the entire league. Wow. But he also had some downturns as well. Um, there's, you know, agent, the agent business is tough. And there were times where he, Lee, Lee has this approach where he's very giving and wants to train people. So he would train up this new young crop of agents. They would have more of the day-to-day contact with the players Mm-hmm. Then the agents would say, well, we don't need Lee anymore. And they'd cut ties and take all these players away from Lee. Right. Um, Wait, that did, happened- did you want to be an agent? Yes. And, and that's why that experience was so appealing to me at first. I thought the agent side of the business where you help players just with anything, endorsements, with real estate, with investments, with setting up a nonprofit, that was so appealing to me. Um, the experience at Lee's was a little different. So I went there at one of his darkest, lowest points, truthfully, where his only client when I was there was Ricky Williams in the CFL. Oh, okay. Well, things have certainly taken a turn. 
Yeah, he was decertified over some disputes with former agents and some agent conduct. Um, just not in a good place. Family, um, he's been very public about his issues with alcohol, um, all of that. So so I was there at the time, and so we were not a well-oiled machine. It was not like this sexy sports agent like you know situation. It was yeah. more we you were interns there. No, no, no. We were there providing the most baseline level of like administrative support to like just help out on any random thing, but it was not what you think it would be. Right. At the same time, it really did galvanize my future for me. So A, I learned I didn't want to be an agent. I saw Lee work rooms in a way that I knew I never could. And I get a sense that that's almost how all agents are. Because yeah. at the root of being an agent, you're a salesperson. Right. You are selling, and this sounds weird, but you're selling yourself to young kids, hoping they will sign you as an agent. Yeah. Then you're selling those kids to the teams or to companies for endorsements. You're like, you're a seller more than anything. And I knew that wasn't going to be a fit for me. But where it came together, so Lee is a, like, he, he, encourages or forces all of his clients to have some sort of community give back initiative. Hmm. He, he recognizes the power of sport as a, a device for social change. And that resonated with me. And so, you know, I'm graduating from Long Beach state. My degree was in marketing, which I find super fascinating too. like, Hey, why do we, why do we package the package this way? Why do we pick this color? Yeah. Why do we use that font? The, the design elements of marketing were super fascinating to me, but I didn't have the artistic side to go with it. And most marketing jobs out of undergrad were sales jobs. Right. And I knew that wasn't a good fit for me. So I have this internship with Lee this marketing undergrad experience. And um, so my dad growing up, he was a lawyer as well. And I kind of thought, hey, maybe a law degree is what would help me pull all this together between you know, sexuality, sports, social advo advocacy, activism, marketing, and then law would kind of just wrangle all that together in a way that I could kind of pursue that idea, just kind of social change through sports. Yeah. You know. So that was the big idea. I mean, I think I probably still have my law school application personal statement, and that's kind of what I wrote about, wanting to kind of make it, you know, make sports more welcoming for, for gay people. Um, my own experiences in the closet and how that shaped who I was and what could have been, um, who knows. Yeah, well, that's well, that's fantastic. And like, so, are you are you out to your family at this point? Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. How did that go? Um, not great. Um, I came out to my mom. It was actually, I think I was like twenty, and I I guess when I say I came out to her, she finally asked me a blunt question that I couldn't dodge, okay. and I was sick of dodging the question of. It wasn't. It wasn't. Are you gay? It was, have you ever dated men? <laughs> I think. <laughs> or have you ever dated a man? Okay. And I finally just said, I finally just said, well, yes. And it was super awkward. It was at Thanksgiving because these conversations always happen oh, around. Oh, classic. And then, you know, the, the 
turmoil starts a little bit and in a in a weird way i know my mom is gossipy so she ended up telling the rest of my siblings so i didn't really have to come out to them it just became known was that kind of nice for you or were you kind of in a way that you didn't have to do it no no it was nice because i I, i'm i don't know i don't like conversations like that anyway so it relieved me of that burden yeah Um, i get that and, you know, she still, um, you know, she told me that she cried herself to sleep for days. And one of the things my dad, who's he's very reasoned and very supportive. Um, and he, he mentioned this from a place where he thought it was good. But he said, I wish you just would have told us earlier. And I know what he meant by that because he, you know, he wished he would have that I wouldn't have had to have carried the burden. But I know and you know, I mentioned this before, if I had told him when I was 14, 15, when the church is supporting these anti-gay initiatives in Hawaii, I have no doubt in my mind they would have sent me to conversion therapy wow. if I was under 18. I mean, 100%. Wow. And so, so I knew, and, and growing up, you kind of see the signs where I knew it wasn't safe to tell them. I knew it. Sure, yeah. But, yeah, so around 20, I told them, 19 or 20. Um, but I'm in California. I'm separated. I'm exploring my sexuality, as we mentioned before. And <laughs> They're like, oh, I'll... look what L.A. has done to you. Yes, we yes. We knew this would happen. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, are are you – how was your relationship with your family now? Um, decent, I guess. Um, for example, so my husband and I, we got married – um, in 2018, we're coming up on our two-year anniversary. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, so we've been together since 2012. But So at our wedding, uh, six of my seven siblings came. The one who didn't was in Japan, so we had a good excuse. Okay. But, then my parents, but then my parents said, uh, we just don't feel like celebrating. So they didn't come. <gasps> and they, no. they wrote... They wrote this like big email to all my siblings to explain their reasoning for not wanting to celebrate. So, oh Jesus! So it's you know it's That's it hard. is what it is. I mean I think it's it's not uncommon for our community to pick our family in a way. There's a reason that saying is there, and you choose your family. And and I I find a lot of strength in that. Um, I I think there's times where I will where where I will butt head with like my aunt, for example. And people try and hold it over my head like, oh, she's your aunt. You owe it to her. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's not how we do things. Mm, nope. <laughs> Where are you butting heads? Are you butting heads on Facebook? Is this happening? Uh, it's it's sometimes Facebook. It's sometimes face-to-face. It's a mix of all of the above. So I, I've learned to just not uh, – the ignore button or the hide from feed button in Facebook is my favorite thing. Oh, you got to love it. I oh, like I any argument so with an ant is just it's destined to happen <laughs> on Facebook. Correct, yes. That is true. Um, wow. All right. How did you how did you and your husband meet? Uh bar slash app. Hey, that it's this is what we do now, baby. I know, it's so efficient, right? It's like it is such a weird because I maybe I used to have some sort of like prejudice isn't the word, but like I maybe you know years ago I would have felt weird about saying I met somebody on an app but like it certainly not anymore and like that's yeah. like ha- that's what happens and also like what it's you know, people didn't used to have that story because it didn't used to exist you know like the, it's just yep. I think it's yeah whatever I'm getting, no, on, I, my, getting on my soapbox now but uh okay. yeah I I whatever I, I think 
anybody who has any sort of like misconception about like you know, I want to beat somebody in a grocery aisle, and uh, right. you know, it's like, well, good luck. Um, I mean, I think oh. for the longest time we used to say like we met at the bar, which is partially true, right? But now <laughs> well, I think, you like, like you said, it did meet at a bar, it, right? Exactly. See now, but now it's like no, an app and the bar, like fine. Yeah, who it's, cares? It is what it is, right? That's great. I love that. Wait, what does he do? Um, so he is an admin at the Ohio Department of Transportation. Oh, okay. He's cool. also in bands, and he also has his own podcast. So oh, that's right. Yeah, you were saying yeah. that. What what is he? What is his podcast about? So they do weekly movie review <gasps> talk things like that. Oh my god, I should talk to him too. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I I love sports, obviously, with this thing, but I could have a podcast about movies as well. Oh yeah, Those he is are... big in movies. Uh, do you wait? Are you, I am getting the sense that you are not a movie guy. I mean, like, I'll go to movies. Oh. I enjoy. No, no, I enjoy movies. But like, he goes to one or two movies a week, yeah, and he knows all the actors. And this person was a, the director of that, and that's why this person's in the movie. And I'm like, I that I no, but wait, care. is he there? Can I talk, can I talk to him? For, can I talk to him <laughs> for a few minutes. Um, yeah. fine, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe I'll I'll chat with him about yeah. I don't know movies. What was his favorite Oops. movie this year? Do you know? Oh jeez! They did a top. For the rest, they did of this a top podcast, ten. You can go. talk about your husband. <laughs> That's perfect. I'm happy to talk about him. He's he's upstairs watching the dogs right now, hoping they don't bark. I know. That's uh, right. What kind of dogs do you have? Uh, we have a corgi, so he's I'm, I'm one of those guys. Uh, we have know. a corgi. Well, listen, that's okay. I've come around on corgis. I think I was anti-corgi for a while, and I don't really know why. Um, they were kind of trendy for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I think maybe that was it. It felt like a trend, but now maybe that subsided a bit, and now I just can appreciate that they're super cute and cool. They're super cute. And then we have a 50-pound just mutt. He's kind of German Shepherd. Oh, love that. That's Pit, kind of who dog. knows. What are their names? Yeah. Cooper, the Corgi, and Toby is the mutt. I love that. That's beautiful. Um, all right. So we're dancing around something here, and we're going to have to talk about where you went to grad school. Okay. Um, please tell the listeners where you went to school. All right. So I'll, I'll finish this story a little bit. So yes, I'm, I'm at Lee Steinberg's. I'm oh, kind yeah, of gal. I, this is no, no, fine. just me going on tangents because I find your life no. interesting. No, it's it's yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I hope I'm sort of interesting. Um, so I had this. I'm a sports fan, but my undergraduate experience was not sports, right? I did a year in Alaska and then community college in California. I never had that collegial sports experience. So I'm looking at law school and my top choice was UT Austin. Um, and I actually moved to Dallas for a year and a half to become a resident of Texas. So if I got into UT in Austin, I would save money that first year. Wow. That is like a big move. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I was you, ready to move. What did you I do? What did you do in Texas for a year? See, this is this is gonna make it seem like a theme. So, <laughs> sort of. I sort you of drove moved there to in your car. Wait, did you? Well, no, hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. Did you sleep in your car? I think I did that drive in one day. It was like sixteen hours, but I think I did it from in a day. LA to Texas. Yeah, I think so. Pretty sure. I've done that drive before by myself, actually, and certainly stayed at a Holiday Inn. Um, but that's just me. Yeah. So, so, so I guess in my first move to California, there was sort of a guy that led me to L.A. rather than, you know, 
Dallas. Oh, I see the theme now. Okay. Dallas, I kind of pursued three things, truthfully. One, there was to become a resident at and for getting into UT Austin. Two, I was hoping so Lee Steinberg represented ah, and I forget his name. He was the coach at SMU for a while. Ah, I forget his name, but he had a job opening that I was like, well, if I move to Dallas, maybe I have a chance to get this job. And then there was a guy. So I was pursuing three different things. Um, How do you meet these guys out of state? We're on the internet right now. What do you <laughs> sure, but I'm just curious. I mean, like, are you meeting him? Do you meet these? This like, did you meet Mr. Texas on an app? Uh, a website, yeah. A website. And he actually he actually lived in Arkansas, so it was like what? I was close to that, but not. There, I wasn't about to move to Arkansas. It wouldn't have helped my Texas situation either. <laughs> yeah, no, of course. Wait, how? Okay, so you go to Texas. Yeah. Then are you? Do you see this guy? Yeah, yeah. We we we. I mean, it was a three-hour drive, so we would, you know, Three weekends. Three hours. I drove four days from Alaska to California. A well, three-hour drive. That's it's a good like point. I suppose. <laughs> are you? You seem like you're addicted to being in your car. I'm not addicted to it, but I can handle it. Um, I actually have on my Instagram, I have like a photo. Plug it. Driven. What's your handle? Uh, just Peter Lovins, I think. Um, wow, how'd you come up with anyway. that? But <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, my name. Well, I took my husband's last name. We can get oh, into that. I know. I, one, I have that written down that I wanted to ask you about that because okay. I, I didn't know that until you gave me your Skype name, which Skype is handle, not, which is which still is, my old name. Yeah, which yeah. is not your last name. Um, okay, I'll, I'm writing that down because I do want to ask right. you about that. But uh, okay, okay, talk more about Okay, on, on Instagram, I have this map where – because my husband and I did a road trip with uh, kids this summer. And a so road between trip with my kids. Yeah, so he has two kids. Oh, in, oh, with his kids. Yeah. Oh, Not I just you random. Just, like, found a couple kids. And, like, <laughs> yeah, we just borrowed them. We borrowed them for our family trip. Yeah. Okay, cool. Either way, so I have this map of like, I've pretty much driven around the entire United States, basically. Oh, I love that. Because I, the aforementioned road trip that I went on, when I, I drove from Detroit to LA, like back in 2012, and yep. it was just by myself, it was fantastic. I mean, still, yep. I look back like some of my just favorite memories. It was just like, you, you yep. know, I was, you know, it was at that time in my life too. You know, I was, you know, 24, mm -hmm. you know, I was driving out to LA and I just like stopped in cities. I stopped in Austin, actually. I like stopped in Nashville, did this whole yep. thing. And it was so, it was so fun. So like the, I, yep. I'm always thinking about wanting to just like, just pick up and go on another road trip like that. So I'm very oh, yeah. envious of you. Yeah. So Driving around, that's doesn't bother me at all. But so I'm in Texas and didn't really like it. But getting back to law school, so you you, you want me to drop the bomb? But so I'm not ready. My, yeah, okay, I'll give you a little bit more time. So my undergrad experience, I didn't have any big sports around me. So the schools I applied to were good law schools that also had big football programs. So UCLA, Stanford was like my dream, dream, dream school that I had a 0.2% chance to get into. Sure. Texas, obviously, um, Illinois. Um, Illinois. I don't think I've... Showing your age here. You, Illini, University of Illinois, I don't no, know. No, I'm saying, you're saying with a good football program. I mean, there's a... Oh, I mean, yeah. One of these true. is an outlier here. 
That's true. I mean, it's still it's still a big time football program, sure. no, I, I guess. It, I get it, I get it. And, and at that point, I was in love with the idea of ending up in Chicago. So I thought it's kind of close, but it's Big Ten football, et cetera. And then where I ended up going, <sighs> Ohio State, go Bucks. Oh, I will say the one thing I am happy here is that you didn't say that you went to the Ohio. Oh, State. no, I, ha- I hate that. It's just dumb. I do, it, that annoys me. OK, I'm on board. We're friends again. Yeah. Okay, you know, that bothers me. So, <laughs> so like technically technically it's the California State University of Long Beach too, but like I don't, come on. I know how did it become a thing? Whatever, who cares? I don't, um Okay, so you go to Ohio State, which is yep. uh, you know, so unfortunate. Uh, but um <laughs> as I look at my 2014 football national championship poster oh that's right behind Oh my god, I'm going to I'm ending this podcast immediately. <laughs> That's fair. Um, well, I guess I should. For anybody listening who doesn't know, I went to Michigan State, so I uh, don't. Okay, like it. but we both we both hate Michigan, though. Come on. Of course, yeah. Yeah, well, come we can, on. Yeah, we can meet in the middle there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Terrible. We have, we have you guys in basketball on Saturday again. Uh, oh. So, you know, of okay. course, beat you guys heavily earlier in the season. Um, okay, so 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 you make the you make the decision to go to Ohio State. Uh, yeah why i mean i i guess you sort of just outlined it but it sort of feels i don't know a little tangential from everything else that you've done i mean was it, was it strictly the pull of like the football program and also was there a boy in columbus there was there was no boy this time oh, so I, I wasn't just i wasn't just chasing that my entire life moving from move state to state um I mean, it really, it came down to, truthfully, it was between Illinois and Ohio State at the end of the day, um, looking at law school rankings versus school versus city size. Um, I was fortunate that one of my good friends that, oddly enough, growing up in Alaska, ended up here in Columbus, Ohio, so I could talk to someone, learn what the city was about, but also have that ever so important non-law school friend to get the break from law school for sanity. Yeah, sure just kind of sold me on it. And, and truthfully, I still came to Columbus with the intention of ending up in Chicago, but um, really fell in love with the city. It's a great city. I've been to Columbus, I think, only one time in my life, which feels a little weird. But I yep. went to a, uh, not to jump ahead here, I went to a Blue Jackets game. Oh, um, and saw in them, Nationwide Arena. At Nationwide Arena, baby, and saw them play the Red Wings. Um, okay. drove from Michigan with three of my friends from college, just like on a whim to like do something fun. Uh, okay. just drove to Columbus from East Lansing. Cause I guess we were still in school. Or, okay. When knows? was this? Uh, this would have been like 2000, like a, no, like Oh nine, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so a while ago, um, yep. But, uh, yeah, I drove to Columbus from East Lansing in my car with uh, three of my friends. went to a Wings game. Uh, the Blue Jackets won, I think, unfortunately. Of course. Of course. Give me a break. Um, I think if, if you want to check the record, the Blue Jackets versus the Red Wings in the past, like, 20 games is, like, 18-1-1. One one. Yeah, okay. We <laughs> it's absurd. Su- yeah, we suck. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, though. A- We're- after... After 30 years of being great, you poor thing. Well, you know, it's weird. I was talking to somebody about this today because I'm a, I'm a diehard Red Wings fan, and I always have been, and I've obviously been very lucky my entire life. They've always been excellent. So it's yeah. it's been a, such a weird adjustment the past couple of years, 
not making the playoffs and just not being good at all. It's like, I feel like I'm sort of missing a limb almost. It's this thing of like, because when, because I, you know, I still watch every game. I still follow them, you know, very closely, obviously. But yep. like, it's just not the same, obviously, when yep. they're not playing well. And it, it feels weird. Just like, there's not that... Like, there's not that thing of me, like, looking forward to the next game and, like, they sort of run my life and, like, how I'm feeling. I've just been, like, it's so, it's depressing. <laughs> it's so much easier to, like, root for a winner. That's so true. It's just, yeah, it's wild. Like, and, like, you know, the Stanley Cup playoffs, it's my favorite thing in the entire world. Or at least it was yeah. when we were, you know, in them every, literally every year of my cognizant life. Um, yep. that was, that was my time. I mean, that was my, my favorite thing. And so now it's just, it's a weird transition to make to, you know, sort of have to, you know, follow a team that's rebuilding. It's, you know, I'm yep. sure most other sports fans are like, yeah, welcome to like <laughs> right. life. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird adjustment. So you're, you're at Ohio state, uh, and what you love it. Oh, I loved it. I mean, it was, um, the, the city of Columbus I fell in love with. Law school was great. It was just this – I've told actually my boss where I'm at now. I told him I think law school was the point where I felt the most whole, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Um, in undergrad, I was out sort of, but I wasn't really out in school and social life. Like it was two distinct things. I had my school and I just went there for classes and Long Beach State's a commuter school. So I just went, got good grades and then left. Yeah. Um, at law school, it was like I was out. I mean, I wrote about being out on my admissions essay. Um, I had a mix of gay friends and non-gay friends and it was academically challenging. Um, it was just like everything kind of all came together and it was very fulfilling and, and that um, kind of just – I don't know. It was it was just kind of a powerful time for me to kind of just be completely myself, right? I mean you hear about everybody in the you know sexuality and sports space talk about like when that burden is lifted, how much just weight is off you and you can just focus and be who you are and, and be whole. And there's something special about that. Oh my God. Of course. And are you, I mean, are you going to the horseshoe every Saturday? I did. I went to, I mean, not every single game, but I went to most games, um, as a what? law student. I mean, it's slightly more for undergrads, but you still, we still did our student packages as law students as well. Uh, of course. I mean, it's, I, I talk about this with people a lot. Like, I because, you know, I, I only did undergrad and I went to Michigan State, which is, of course, uh, you know, a, a wonderful sports school. I can't imagine not having that as part of my experience. Like, I just right. it's, it's, it's unfathomable to me that you right. would go to a college where that wasn't part of it. It's just it, it's yep. so much of the experience for me. And yep. maybe it maybe I don't know, maybe it should be more about <laughs> academics. <laughs> right. But but, you know, I got that, too. You know, so like it's 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 crazy when I when I talk to friends who went to a school where where athletics weren't just a part of the daily conversation. And I work for the athletic department at MSU. So like it was it was so ingrained in me. But like to go to a school where like you weren't tailgating and you weren't going to football <laughs> games and you weren't, you know, there isn't a great student section for the basketball games and people aren't going to the hockey games like it's. It doesn't make sense to me, and like it, it feels like such a part of the experience that, and it just it makes a community, you know. I mean, I had the right. benefit when I was at Michigan State, 
The basketball team was great. The football team was not. But, you know, we went to two Final Fours when I was there. It's like and right. when, when that happens, it just creates this, like, vibe and this excitement. And really, like, everybody on campus is just, like, in it together in a way that I guess if you haven't experienced it, you might not appreciate. But I can't imagine not having that as part of my my college experience. Right, and that's what I wanted when I went to Ohio State. Yeah, and I'm so sorry that it had to be there, but um, <laughs> it all worked out. It all worked out. Okay, so uh, so how do you how do you transition from being a Buckeye to being a Blue Jacket? I hated the fact that I just said that sentence, but uh, yep, it happens. It um, so so the, there's some there's some stories there. So in in law school, um, you know, I was out and I did things to show my interest in the world of the sports industry and the law while also you know expressing and trying to share my thoughts about how it all intersects with sexuality but mostly for gay men truthfully um so i i started a blog in law school instead of um an academic participating on an academic journal so most law students go they you write on law review or you know you hear things about that that sure. you know Barack Obama was president of the Harvard Law Review, right? I am currently it, it, reading Michelle Obama's biography, and that uh, is—I did just read about uh, yeah. Barack and the Harvard Law Review last night. So, yeah. and that's a thing that they encourage, and it's at Ohio State, and there's all these law journals. And for these journals, they—the schools push you; they encourage you so much that you have to do this if you want to go work for a firm or this is what you do as a law student. And I said, I, I don't really want to do that actually. So I started a blog. Um, it was called Wide Rights, which I thought was a fun little play on rights, human rights, Love missing it. field goals to the right. Um, sorry, Buff sorry, Buffalo Bills fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did that. Th that was my way to... Well, you can do that instead? Yeah. Well, I mean, I chose to. I mean, I you didn't have to do law journal. Law, I guess law you didn't review. have to write. Yeah, so so I I basically made the choice that I was not going to do law journal or law review, but I wasn't going to not do anything, right? That'd just be the slacker thing to do. So I created my blog, and it allowed me to write what I wanted to write about or talk what I wanted to talk about when in the style I got to create it all myself. So that was a really fulfilling experience, and it and it showed later, kind of for my current employer, that I was committed to the industry of sport not just being a sports fan yeah that decision so, yeah so what what are you writing about i mean everything um i think when i was writing it was a mix i mean sometimes i'd write about strictly sports law topics um there's the big american needle antitrust case that was going on when i was i think a second year um, but also prop 8 was going on so i wrote mm -hmm. about that um i think my two biggest posts that went semi-national i guess um so i broke the news that the nfl added sexual orientation to their list of discrimination classes oh, wow. in their collective bargaining agreement so how, i broke that story how? how how does that come to be i mean i just i read the collective bargaining agreement section that added it after because they i think it was 2011 when they signed their new CBA, so I just kind of checked the language because you can download it and saw that they mm -hmm. added sexual orientation. So I wrote a little story about it and and then like Outsports picked it up and then it, it went from there. But 
Uh, I started that, and then he, he, here's one that you'll appreciate because I kind of buried the Ohio State football program for a little bit. Yes. So, so they had this program, and, and I could talk about gender norms and toxic masculinity and the intersection with sports for hours. So they did this thing at Ohio State where if you were a loafer, like if you were not trying hard, weren't giving enough effort, whatever, the coaches would assign you a lavender jersey for the next practice. Uh-oh. Or like one of those pullover penny type things that would go over your jersey. Yeah, sure. And I was having none of that. So um, just kind of wrote a big thing about how that's sexist and homophobic and needs to not happen and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It eventually made its way back I think Urban Meyer apologized about it. Really? Wow. Doing it and yeah. Well, so those are my two big my two big shining moments with my blog. You got you got Urban to apologize. That I mean honestly yeah. I'm giving you a standing ovation in my Culver City apartment. I, you just can't see it. Yeah, I mean I don't know if I caused it. I mean I wrote the story and then others kind of took it from there and the well, like LGBT alumni association wrote him a letter and it kind of went off on its own little journey then but um I like at least having a part in that with my blog when I was a law student. Were you like he- here's my question for you about Urban Meyer. Do you like yep. I mean I I I guess we're we're past this now and you know he's in the rearview mirror but like do you yep. do you did you like him? <laughs> Hundred percent. Come on, he's Are you a winner. Kidding me? Well, I mean, come on, come on. A, yes, of course a, I liked him. What a dork. He's <laughs> no, no, no. Jim Harbaugh is a dork. Well, let, if, well, if you're talking like well, dorks, yes. Urban's pretty smooth, truthfully. Oh God, smooth compared to Jim Harbaugh. Well, no, Jim Harbaugh is it's certainly more of a dork than Urban yes. Meyer. I will give you that. Dork is not the right word. Maybe like yeah. monster. Monster, come on. I mean, he's committed to winning. No. He is intense. He is a good coach. I guess the thing that I'll say it for you, and I uh, will drag myself, but I, uh, as a Michigan State alumni, I shouldn't be talking about anybody else's athletic program at the moment. So it's probably true. Yeah, <laughs> very, very, very good point. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So, yeah, so you wrap up at Ohio State, and then what? Ah, uh, like, yeah, Blue what, Jackets. Yeah, so what? When you're done, when you're done with school, when you're done with yep. law school, I mean, what yep. are you looking to do? Yeah, um, I mean, so the tough part, where to start with this? So, the law market also suffered in the same way that the job market across the country suffered, um, and so the law, the job market is not great when I'm graduating in 2012. I actually didn't have a full-time offer out of graduating from law school. And it's kind of a scary point to be in. You just spend three years in school. You rack up a ton of debt. You're about to prepare for the bar exam, which is the most miserable experience ever. Yeah. And there's no job waiting on the other side of it. So an opportunity came up in early May 2012 where the Blue Jackets needed a temporary part-time person to come fill in for a legal admin that just was going on maternity leave. So they just needed someone come in 20 hours a week, 10 weeks, and be done with it. Wow. Okay. Um, And even that was risky. So the bar exam is middle of July, and most law students or most graduating, uh, you know, people graduating from law school don't 
do anything but study for the bar exam. Studying for the bar exam is like a 40-hour-a-week job that you do for 10 weeks, then you go take the test. But I don't have a job after that, and I had this I, – I was brought in for an interview, and part of that was because I had things like the blog. I was president of the Sports and Entertainment Law Association in law school, so I did things that my name – was one of the people in consideration for this temporary part-time job. Okay. Um, I started, it was May 9th, 2012, in the middle of my third year finals, actually, I started. And I was there, must have been three weeks or so, um, late May, the team's general counsel has a heart attack. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, he's he's fine. He's he's alive. He's still my boss today. Okay, thank God. I was going to ask. Yeah, is, I know. <laughs> is he dead? No. So he he's alive. Um, but it was a a in the moment for me as this freshly graduated law student. I can't practice law, but I tried to pick up as much weight as I was capable of doing at that time while he you know recovered and slowly came back to the office. So I tried to do as much as I could to help out. The department, the legal department, um, but more than anything, it it led to the team and the department considering what's how much weight are we putting on our general counsel, and he's getting a little older, so what's our plan to succeed succeed him, right, or succeed him, sure. um, or who's who's coming next, right? So after a while and I did my 10 weeks took the bar exam they brought me back on just because of that transitionary transitionary period um, and at that point I still didn't have a permanent offer so I started looking at like uh, employment law firms because that's what I really liked as a student and I finally got an offer from an employment law firm and that kind of forced the discussion for the Blue Jackets to add a second attorney. So they created the second attorney job to give to me to lighten the load of our general counsel who just had the heart attack that May. Right. And so that's just sealed your deal there. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those like right place, right time, but also it's a mix of luck, truthfully, timing, but also doing things on the front end that created the opportunity and then once i was there even though it was temporary part-time i could have checked out right i could have been like look this is a 10-week job i'm hoping to get something on my resume hoping to get a little bit of money so i can survive after the bar but i didn't approach it that way right so i took it as and tried to do as much as i could while he was recovering from his heart attack and i think that um, really helped me out when they considered creating the job i mean it sort of seems like a perfect fit for you right i mean you're you're doing the lawyer thing, and but you're also yep. you're working in sports, and yep. and you can speak to this because this is sort of my next question. But you know, you're doing it as, as this out gay man working for, for a professional sports organization, which is not nothing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that in itself is an accomplishment, and, and oh, I know, and, and something to be you know to be applauded for. I mean. This sort of feels like the the perfect intersection of of what you were looking for throughout this, you know, entire journey that you were on, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. When I talk about where I'm at now, and we we talked about a, a little bit of this, but I can tie things back to to Dallas and not getting a job at SMU or not getting into UT Austin or 
all the way back to my time with Lee Steinberg. I mean, all of this led me to that, yeah, to where I'm at today. And, and it, you know, it's some of it's happenstance and some of it's luck and some of it's kind of creating your own opportunities as well. But I think it's, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in being out and visible. Um, you know, there's a, there's several other out attorneys. I know of two others in the NHL actually, which is kind of awesome that there's, you know, 31 teams and at least at minimum, there's three openly LGBTQ or I guess LG would be more accurate um, attorneys in the league, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Um, I know of one in baseball. I know of one in the NFL. I'm sure there's plenty more. Um, I wish there was some magic hand signal we could do to like all meet (laughs) each other or something. Um, Yeah. You know, I think there's you know, I'm a big proponent of that sort of visibility. Like, like, you know, um, there's others, of course. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I, you know, you know, those, um, what are those enterprise commercials for college kids? It's like all these college athletes are going to go pro in something other than sports. Right. Sure. And, and that's where I think it's, how cool is it to go pro in something that's not sports, but still be in the sports industry, right? Oh, for and, sure. And there's so many, you know, there's so many closeted athletes. There's still so many closeted professionals, right? Of course, yeah. Forgive my ignorance, but what, yep. what, what do you do all day? Oh, geez, um, it's interesting to say the least. Every day is different, as cliche as that is. Um, so, in-house legal work depends a lot on the size of the company. So for example, I work at Nationwide Arena. So Nationwide Insurance is our um, our naming rights partner. If, if you're a in-house lawyer at Nationwide Insurance, they're like a big law firm. They have you know, 500 or 1,000 attorneys nationwide and each attorney then is specialized. So you may be a real estate attorney for Nationwide Insurance or a litigation attorney for nationwide insurance. Compare that to us, we have two attorneys. So we can't really specialize in any one area of the law and we just focus on one type of legal matter. Um, I do everything from transactional contracts. So like our deal with nationwide insurance or Ticketmaster or all of our sponsors, executive suite holders, that's a big part of what I do. Um, I do premise liability stuff. So we had share in our building yesterday, for example. Um, the gays were all about it. Did you go? I, I didn't go. I'm sorry. I'm, you I'm sorry. To, you don't need to apologize. I'm yeah. just, I'm just curious. I mean, no, it does I, feel like a real missed opportunity for you, but I know it was in our building. It was share. I get it. Um, we're going to kiss in March if that okay, makes anybody homophobic, better. but. <laughs> that we didn't go to share, but we're going to kiss. It's fair. You can you can uh, bring that up with my husband, who's a huge Kiss fan as well. When you talk movies, um, I don't want to go on this podcast anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, so, so anyway, so so the next day, right? So share was in our building yesterday. The, ne- the next day, we get a report of all the incidents in the building. So that's oh, something no. I want. So so slip and falls, or people getting drunk and wasted and passing out, or fights. So I deal with premise liability. I do some intellectual property. So we protect our marks and logos and enforce against people using knockoffs. 
Um, I actually do all the immigration for the players, scouts, coaches. We have a lot of Canadians and Europeans that have to be eligible to play, so I do all of that. That's cool. um, I mean, it's it's kind of a, a A to Z of types of law that I do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And, I mean, have you run into any sort of pushback from, from anybody, you know, with the Blue Jackets or, or, or any sort of, you know, co-worker? I mean, not to, you know, to call anybody out here, but I'm just saying it's, it is, it's a unique thing to work for, you know, a, a professional sports organization as an out person because, you know, as you know, more than anybody, that's, that's not the norm. And you're going to run into people who uh, might, if not even be... Um, you know, homophobic necessarily, just sort of like, I, I, I'm sure you're the first gay person some people have met, you know? Yeah, yep, yep. Um, th- there hasn't been anything overt. There, there are the occasional, uh, like I have my wedding ring and someone will be like, oh, what did your wife do? And I'm like, well, <laughs> right. my husband, and they're like, oh, and they, they don't mean any ill will by it. It's just that that's common you know, in a number of spaces. I don't think that's unique to sports. Um, no, yeah. I, I think in a way, and, and every sports team is different, truthfully. Um, and a lot of the tone gets set by the ownership group uh-huh. often. Um, so our ownership group, or our owners, um, are associated with Worthington Industries, which is like a steel manufacturer here in Columbus. But a lot of their tenants on how to treat people are kind of the same tenants that come with us. And so a lot of that has kind of trickled down for me. Um, I do know still my presence is different for some people. Um, I know when I, so I got married after I had been there for several years. And so I changed my name while I was there. Um, and that was a little different for some people. Um, nobody, raised issue with it and it took a while for people to become adjusted to it but i think in the same way that they'd be adjusted for a you know a a woman in the office changing her last name you just accidentally use the old name or whatever it is yeah so why let's just get into it now why did you change your name um there were a few factors i mean one so he has he had had two kids from his prior marriage and so the thought of if i ever needed to pick up the kids if my last name matched i think it would just be easier um we've talked about having additional kids ourselves, and the idea of all the kids and me and my husband and you know what would be there you know siblings would also all have the last name you know just kind of things like that i think that's great so you're yeah. like a you're just like a cool dad now, huh? I'm like a cool dad. I'm the cool dad. We go to <laughs> hockey games and stuff. I was gonna... <laughs> yeah, you're the cool dad who works for the Blue Jackets. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that people are kids are envious of you. Your uh, your kids' friends. Do you know? Oddly enough, kids really don't care what their parents do. <laughs> like they really don't. <laughs> and God bless them for that. You know. Yeah, like you, you don't impress them. Yeah. Um, Lexi stepdaughter she like there's this boy that she liked for a while that thought he knew more about hockey and the blue jackets than me and I was like get out of here little kid like <laughs> what do you mean wait how how old are they uh 13 and 15 oh oh so you're oh like, yeah you're like in it oh it's it's as bad as everyone says <laughs> oh my god 
I can't. You have uh, you have thirteen and fifteen year old kids. That's wild yeah. to me. Yeah. I mean, and we have um, we have that modern family situation where we get along with. Um, their mom super well so she actually has primary custody so we kind of have the kids over from time to time but we'll go over there for thanksgiving and christmas and open presents together like it's one big happy family no way this is like a sitcom yeah. writing itself it, it could you could it you starts could do it. with you using yeah. your hand as a windshield wiper a wiper yep trying to get, <laughs> trying to get down. that's the opening scene yeah wow oh that's wild well you know, I have to say it is it's such an interesting thing getting to talk to somebody who's sort of like inside and doing the nitty gritty stuff and like and also not hiding who they are. I mean, that that's yeah. what we need, you know, and I, I think that's what is so cool. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, aren't as fortunate to have the experience that you've had, you know, working in sports, working for a team and, you know, having a lot of pushback. And I think it's, it's you know, hearing your story and, and hopefully getting it out there a little bit more, I think is so important to show people that it can be done and that, like, you know, if you're good enough and you're smart enough and you're qualified enough, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. And most teams these days, um, I mean, I think especially on the team side, like you got nothing to worry about. Um, I mean, there's maybe some ownership groups that are worse than others. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's corporate America, truthfully. Um, and most corporate America is pretty inclusive and welcoming. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, it's 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 almost more important to the next generation, right, to to be able to see whether it's me or Rick Welt or any of the other people that are out and working in the industry. Um, I, I think, you know, the saying, if you see it, you can be it. Um, Billy Jean King, I think started that, um, you know, and, and Chris Mosier, the, the trans mm -hmm. uh, U S athlete, he always says, be who you needed when you were younger. Yeah. And like, for me, like seeing someone like me now would have been, so helpful <laughs> truthfully oh for, oh, for right. sure i mean i mean you know i i feel like i talk about that in, in some way with everybody who's on the show yeah. and, and that's a, a lot of the reason i wanted to do the podcast truthfully is like you know to have something like this to have a resource where all these people are coming you know and and, and telling their stories and and being exactly who they want to be in a world that can you know from the outside and and in reality many many times be unwelcoming you know yeah. i i think to show that there's a community of people who are doing it is is hugely important and and you know like you said moving forward hopefully it's just going to become more of a regular thing and uh that's that's largely in part to people like you oh appreciate that i try my best <laughs> I mean, I try my best. It's hard to say that to a Buckeye, but um, <laughs> you stomach through it. I yeah, I I am about to vomit, but um, I did. I made it through. Uh, well, I mean, I I, I this has been so fun. I, I really appreciate your time, and th this conversation has been so enlightening and so interesting, and and was probably even different than what I thought it was going to be at the <laughs> outset. Your life is more fascinating than I ever could have imagined. Oh, well, Alaska, that'll, that'll fascinate a lot of people. It's, yeah, it's a unique, I, it's a unique thing. I get it. I do suppose. Yeah. You're born in Alaska. I mean, you're, you better be interesting. I mean, if you're not what a wasted opportunity. So true. Right. Oh, so good. Um, well, Pete, thank you so much for your time. This has been so much fun. And, uh, you know, I, if the Red Wings aren't going to do it this year and, uh, they aren't, 
I <laughs> correct. Uh, I you know I, I'm a Blue Jackets fan moving forward now. Just throw your hat in the ring. Just do it. Nationwide's only three hours. You know, for you need to go back to Michigan State, drive down Columbus. Go support the Blue Jackets. You know, the Blue Jackets are a team that I I I have never had anything against. You know, I I, I I can root for them. So they yeah, moving forward, they're my team. Okay. All right. Even Ohio versus Michigan, I like it. You're throwing no, it in no, hold with on. Team Ohio. Let's, hold on. Let's pump, no one I did never would say Team Ohio. Let's pump no. the brakes here just a second. I'm just saying, you know, I, if the Red Wings aren't going to be consideration in in you know the playoffs, and again, they won't be. Uh, you know, let's go Jackets. Let's go Jackets. I love Why, it. Now, this maybe we can talk about this. I'll bring you back on the podcast. We'll do a whole episode about it. Why are we still firing the cannon? Oh, so do you know the history of the Blue Jackets? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't care. <laughs> okay, so I'll educate you because you're going to be like, wow, that's actually pretty oh, cool. Oh, God, here comes so, a lawyer educating me. In, no, I'm more the historian, truthfully. So the in during the Civil War, the northern troops – wore blue Union soldier uniforms, and the majority of them were actually created, manufactured here in the great state of Ohio. So the Blue Jackets is in reference to the northern forces in the Civil War, and that's why we also have the cannon. We're a fan of them. Yeah, and that's why we have the cannon because it's a Civil War era cannon replica, I believe. That's cool, but like we don't need to do it after every goal. Oh, we do. And the greatest thing is that opposing players hate it. Yeah. So do opposing fans. Yeah. Good. That's the whole point. (laughs) Like, that's literally the goal. Yeah, whatever. I guess you're right. What also, what is the mascot's name? Stinger. That's, that's that makes no sense. That's got to (laughs) go. So if you're curious, look up Boomer, our. Uh, cannon, cannon mascot that lasted about two days. Oh, hold on, I'm looking this up right now. Because, because it's um, if you can just imagine the shape of a cannon with the brown wheels at the bottom. No way! And oh my he, god, I'm so excited. And he about shot, that. he shot white t-shirts out. <laughs> the t- that the seems tip like of something the can. that you would have instituted in your time. No, that is something that if they would have ever run by me i would have been like has anyone thought about this with their 14 year old mind you do know that your mascot looks like a penis uh yes. wow i'm looking at boomer now uh last yeah this is rough <laughs> i actually i'm actually in favor of bringing him back truthfully he's kind but of, yeah he is funny he's kind of cute so here's here's my position on it and i hope i don't get in trouble but please don't get fired because of this no I'm not, I'm not gonna get i can't <laughs> no, have the, that the, there, there is some, uh, there's some growing support for bringing Boomer back. But here's the thing. So if you're age four to like ten, Boomer is super cute, right? And it fits in with our theme. If you're from like twelve to seventeen, you're this like teenage boy that's giggling and finding it funny. Okay, fine. Or if you're an adult. You're also finding it funny and also appreciating that the little kids find it cute and that you see the teenager snickering about it. That's my thought. Sure. Yeah. I, th- I think if they were to bring it back, don't do the t-shirt cannon thing out of it. There That's, are that, spe- was, that was too far. There are boomer t-shirts. Did you know this? 
I might need, probably. I might need to get one. Do I need to shut it down? Because that's something I do. Oh, oh, oh God. Oh, oh, never mind. Oh, I was making that up. No, I've seen some out there. I, I get it. I know what it is. But I think – and maybe he – maybe we didn't trademark him. I forget if we did or not. See, these are the ins and the outs of being a lawyer for an NHL yeah. team. Oh, I shut stuff like that down all the time. <laughs> oh, poor Boomer. Well, listen, I hope Boomer's back. I want to see Boomer and Gritty from the Flyers get in a fight. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I want. I'm so I, addicted I, now to looking at photos of Boomer. I wanted them to bring back Boomer when Philadelphia came to town solely <gasps> to solely with like a montage like not to be upstaged in 2019 by Gritty and then just Boomer just skates out onto the ice oh and then leaves God. and then like no one says a word about it it just like happened and everyone is like did that really happen Did you know there's a Boomer the Canon Twitter account uh, I'm I'm not surprised <laughs> A happy-go-lucky confetti shooting cannon. Whenever the oh, Columbus Blue Jackets score, I get so excited I explode. Oh, jeez. Okay. Hasn't <laughs> tweeted since uh, September, so I think you might be in the clear. But it's probably good. Yeah. Wow, this is great. Oh, somebody won his boomer for Halloween. Okay, I need. Oh, yeah. I need to end this. I, I'm. I'm going to the <laughs> wormhole that it's unhealthy for you, me, and everybody yeah. listening. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for your time. This has been so fun. I have loved learning about you and your life. And uh, you know, like I said, it's it's important to have visible people like you out there. So congratulations and thank you for for everything that you're doing. Thanks for having me, and thanks oh. for what you're doing to spread these words out there into the internet world. Oh, God, I'm trying. I know. I forget that people <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right, Pete, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have okay. a great night. Bye. Bye. everybody there you go that is it thank you so much to pete for the time thanks for listening now you know what it means to be a lawyer for a professional sports team the education that this podcast gives you it's just phenomenal and it's so cool that there are people like pete in the lgbtq community doing stuff at such a high level for these teams and really making a difference in such a strong way. So thanks to Pete. Thank you for listening. Until next time, Daniel Trainer for Same Team signing off. Bye.